to Romans chapter 8. Let's pray together. Lord, speak to us tonight as we begin once again this in-depth study through the book of Romans, Lord. In-depthly speak to our hearts. Lord, we want to know you. We want to know your heart and your mind and your ways. Speak to us this evening, we ask, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Backing up in verse 8 once again, then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. This verse in chapter 8, verse 9, sort of ends a series of explanations on our position in Christ. He has been talking about, as we went through the first three chapters and saw our depravity, saw our helpless condition, and there in chapters 4 through 6, we see that Christ did it all on the cross. Thank you, Johnny. And uh, how Christ did it all on the cross. He completed the work. And now um, we are children of God. Not by what we have done, not by something we'll ever will do, but by his blood that he shed on the cross. So we have that wonderful position in Christ. We have been justified, just as if we had never sinned. We are white as snow, without spot, without blemish, without any wrinkle, prepared for the coming of God because of what Christ did 2,000 years ago on the cross. We cannot add to it. We cannot take away from it. We just accept it by faith as a free gift of God. Now, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the difference between justification and sanctification. And now we need to build on that just a little bit by understanding our position in Christ versus our experience in Christ. Positionally, in Christ, we come to him, we say, Lord, I am a sinner. Please take control of my life. I give you the reins of my life. Come into my life. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I'm yours. By faith, that very instant, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and instantly you are eternally saved for God's kingdom. Now, just like justification, if we say that's all there is, you're white as snow, you're without sin, you're right with God, that's all there is. You got your fire insurance, hang on until you go to heaven. That's not what it's about. Nor is loitering around the position pole where it's at either. And some people want to do that. Say, hey, I know I'm saved. Now, how I live, that's another thing. God's just going to have to accept me. That's who I am. And now we're coming into chapter 8 saying, okay, you can have such a statement, but you've got to realize there is going to be a price to pay. And there's going to be a wonder whether or not the positional work really did take. And this is where, again, you are living a life after the flesh. Then we have to back up and say, hold it. If you can continue a life after the flesh, 
in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 through 10 says, if you can continue in sin, then the proof's in the pudding. You've never seen God nor known God. However, if you're born again, we learned in chapter 7, you can struggle with the flesh. You're, the things you want to do, you don't do. The things you do want to do, you don't do. Vice versa. I don't know if I said the same way twice or not. But we're going to have that struggle. God understands it. There's no condemnation. And so we have that great joy of knowing God knows our frame. He knows our situation. But at the same time, the Spirit of God within us is pushing us on to experience more of Him and to be sanctified, to complete that work of sanctification. Sanctification, again, is very practically what God did in me. His Holy Spirit is in me with all the patience and the love and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, his unique way of thinking, his unique way of speaking, his unique attitudes towards life, all of those things would be manifested in my hands, with my feet, with my eyes, with my ears, with my mouth, with my attitudes, with my character, with my lifestyle, we would begin to see Christ is in me. That's the work of sanctification. Now that process is much slower for some. It's much quicker for others. And that's where we're not to set in judgment uh, over each other, but we need to constantly encourage one another why it's called day, saying, hey, let us not forget. Christ is at work to perfect us into his image. And in that, we need to allow God to do that work. We need to be in cooperation with him, knowing that God's at work uh, to sanctify us, we need to be in cooperation, as we saw there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so here tonight, again in verse 10, he says, So if Christ is in you, I wonder if there should be a question mark after that, but again, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Let's understand that right up front. You're not going to get help from anything in this world. There's not going to be an exterior help. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are spiritual. We're going to be able to live a life pleasing to God only by the power of God's Spirit. Our body is dead. In other words, our body is not going to be experiencing the presence of God. It's not going to happen. Remember that definition of death in the book of Romans is separation from God. It's not necessarily the physical death, but it's the spiritual death, the spiritual separation. Remember God told Adam and Eve, in the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. The day they ate of that tree, they did die. They were separated from the presence of God. They were kicked out of the garden. They no longer got to walk with God as they had once done in the cool of the evening. In the same way, I understand that my body is dead. And when my body is in the presence of God, it hates it. If you say to my body, body, let's get on your knees and pray for a couple hours, I, you find out in a hurry, your body's dead, <laughs> spiritually. Your body's like, no way! But if you say to your body, get on your knees and let your, bend over a thing, let somebody massage your back for two hours, all of a sudden, oh man, I'm on my knees, oh, I'm here, I'm ready, go for it, you know. 
If I, you say, hey, I want you to stand and hear a sermon for an hour. Oh, I can't stand on my back. Oh, my legs. Oh. But yet if I say stand and look over a fence and watch a baseball game for an hour, no problem. You see, it's our body is dead. It is not going to want spiritual things. It has not in the past. It does not presently. Nor in the future is my body going to want spiritual things. My body would rather do things that benefits my body. Sit down and hear a two-hour sermon. Impossible. Entirely too long. Preacher, wake up. You can't expect somebody to listen to you preach for two hours. Sit down and watch a three-and-a-half-hour movie. No problem. You see, my flesh wants to be tantalized. Watch a two-hour movie on war. Great. Watch a two-hour movie on the life of Christ. Oh, man, this is getting tough. What do we learn? We learn the body is not wounded. <laughs> the body is dead to spiritual things. And this is why it's so important that we understand up front that my body is not going to be assisting me in my spiritual walk. Paul writes over in Galatians, if you'll turn there with me, over to the right, a few pages there, to Galatians chapter 5, and in verse 24, Chapter 5, verse 24, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now listen to verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is the same concept we're going to see here in chapter 8. That as Christians, we've come to the place to realize my body is dead. It's not going to assist me. I need to shut it up. I need to get it out of the way. I need to understand that. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm just exhausted. I got to go to bed. But just as I start to go to bed, I find out whoever, Tom Selleck is on Jay Leno's show. Oh, man, oh, I was ready to go to sleep, but, man, I haven't heard about Tom Selleck in a long time, and, you know, I can keep myself awake. And there I wake until Jay Leno gets through his dialogue and whatever, and there I get to listen to whatever. But 11 o'clock at night, if that still small voice says, why don't you come away with me for a while? Let's spend the next hour in prayer and go to sleep at midnight, and I'll assist you with my strength. Oh, and God, you know, I'd love to. I'm just so tired. You understand. Be a practical God. <laughs> Practically, God, you got to realize I'm human body that's had a long day, God, and I, you know, I'd love to be spiritual, but, you know, I've got to be practical too, and practically I've got to have more sleep than you're offering me tonight, God. So, you know, I'll pray for a couple of minutes and fall asleep, and then don't, don't get crazy with me. But yet if it was something fleshly, you know, 
Somebody comes over at 11 o'clock at night and says, come on, man, let's go eat pizza. Oh, he's ready to go to the bed. Oh, come on, come on, I'll buy, I'll buy. Oh, it's hard to turn down a free meal. <laughs> Midnight bowling. <laughs> it's only a dollar for all you can bowl from 11 to midnight tonight. Let's go, man, let's go. Your flesh is going to want fleshly things. It's dead. We've got to realize up front, I cannot take counsel with my flesh. I need to read the word. Well, let me consult with my flesh. Flesh. How do you think about that? Well, you know, let's, let's think. It's going to give me some excuse. God's calling me into prayer. Let me consult with my flesh. It'll never happen, you see. The flesh is not going to be on your side to help you spiritually. The flesh is dead. The body is dead. Why? Because you were born into a sinful nature, inherited from Adam. You were born in this condition. It's innate with you. It is always going to be that way. Now, the last part of verse 10. But, and this is a giant point here, the spirit is life. Because of righteousness. God lives in you. And because God lives in you, you are now righteous as Jesus is righteous. And the life that is in you is far greater than the death that is in your body. And this is what we need to understand. Now, as we grow in the Lord, we str we're strengthened in spirit and we go from strength unto strength. So maybe you're a born-again Christian here to now. God's Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was with Jesus, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, as we're going to see in verse 11, is in you. And that same exact Spirit has the power to help you overcome any area that's in disobedience to God. The Spirit of God can do it. Look at verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I love it when I go to the Holy Lands, over to Israel, and there I, one of the first sites we normally go to is Caesarea. And there at Caesarea Philippi is an amphitheater. And this amphitheater was the same amphitheater where Paul stood on the stage before Festus and Aquila and Priscilla and defended himself for two years. And on that stage they have rocks. The, the actual floor, a big section of it, is the original floor. And there in the middle, it just so happens, are the original stones. And it's almost about 100% certain that Apostle Paul stood on that same stone that you can walk up on that stage and stand on. And I love to just stand there on that stone and just think for a minute. The Apostle Paul stood right here and defended the faith on this very stone that I am now standing on. I love to go over to Israel and there outside the city of David on the southern wall of Israel 
is a large set of steps. And many of those stones are the original stones that Christ very possibly walked on those same exact stones as he walked up into the temple more than once. They take you over into the Antonio Fortress. You got to go down three stories now to get to the street that once was the street during Christ's time. But there they have a dungeon, a jail, that very likely it's the same exact jail that Jesus was in. And there they have the stones that date back to that time of Christ. And then to go over to the tomb, the Gordon's tomb, it's called. And I'm almost 100% sure that it's the same tomb that my Lord laid in right there. And to walk through that hole where Peter came in and looked, and Jesus was gone, and there the linens were wrapped, and to reach through the bars there and and to touch the very place where my Lord once laid. It's pretty radical. Just to leave your hand there for a minute and just, wow. I like to get everybody up early in the morning, like five in the morning, on one morning. I like to do it on Sunday morning if you can. No cars, nothing's going on. And to rent a van the night before to take us up on the Mount of Olives. And there is your setting on the Mount of Olives. We're going to have an Israel sign up right after this tonight. <laughs> Everybody's going, Lord, please let me go. It's an awesome experience. But I love to sit there on the Mount of Olives looking down over Jerusalem. And it's almost like I can hear those words again, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. How many times I've wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Or to go in some of the antique shops and to pick up a sword that is 2,000 years old. And no, one time a warrior held the same sword in his hand. The same spirit that was there in that tomb that took that beaten, pierced, bloodied body that once inhabited the spirit of the Son of God and raised it from the dead. That same spirit that caused life to come back into that body. And now Christ, who we once knew according to the flesh, we know no more. That same spirit that indwelt once again that body to cause it to come back to life. And there Jesus appeared to them for 50 days. Walked through walls and then finally ascended into heaven. That same spirit that did that to that flesh is the same spirit that's working on your flesh. Now, a big important understanding we need to come to here is that Christ isn't asking you to take some great monumental step in righteousness, in sanctification, in holiness right now. This is a problem we have from time to time when we send our kids off to camp. We're going to be going to camp the next couple of Wednesdays. I'm going to be going up and speaking for um, uh, the next two high school camps. And it's great because the kids are just isolated there to concentrate on the Lord. There's no TV. There's no radio. There's no distractions of the world. And, and there, many of them make an incredible step of commitment of saying, God, 
boy, now that I've stepped out of my usual routine and I've stepped out of things, boy, I can see where there hasn't been surrender. And, and often, great commitments take place. But normally on the last day of camp, we always mention, it's not how high you jumped here at camp, but it's how straight you walk once you get back down the hill. God is not asking for us to stand up tonight to say, hip, hip, hooray, I'm going for it like I've never gone for it before. But he's asking that for that every single day. Every single day to deny yourself, take up a cross and follow Jesus. That every day I would stop and I would just say, okay, God, I believe in you by faith. Positionally, I am saved by your grace, by your cross, by your goodness, not by my works, not by my efforts. You did it all. You said it on the cross. It is finished. I accept it. I believe it. Now, I stumble and fall. I sin. I do things that I, oh, just, man, I can't believe I did that. can't believe I said that. can't believe I acted that way. But I immediately go to my position in Christ. The righteous man falls seven times. He gets up seven times. I just say, man, I'm born again. I know I'm going to heaven. I know God's going to forgive me. I thank him for his love and his patience and his kindness. I stand on that position. I stand in my justification that Christ has done for me. But I don't stay there. I don't say, well, what happened happened and that's the way to... No. I also daily come to understand and to acknowledge that God has worked sanctifying me. It's not enough that God has forgiven me. I thank him for it. I'm wonderful. But the spirit that lives within me is crying out, God, I want to be like you. Not just to go to heaven to be with you, but to be on earth and to be like you. I'm thankful that I'll be in heaven with you but I want to be on earth and walk like you. And the Spirit of God cries out, Lord, I want to do that work of sanctification. We acknowledge that. First Thessalonians said we realize that this is the will of God, our sanctification, that we would conduct ourselves in, a, in an honorable way, in a noble way, that God can do that work of sanctification. But now we need to come to one more step, and this is where we're at tonight, and that is to realize that the Christian walk is a very real walk, and it's a walk of experience. And as experience, I need to say today, it's not enough to say Christ died for me, rose again for me, the work is done, I'm going to heaven. But today I want to experience the work of God in my life. I want to experience what God has in store for me today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, You are his poema, his work of art, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that he's prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. If you are on planet Earth today, today God is fashioning you today. I like to think of it this way, that every night when I go to bed, that God takes me this lump of clay and just sort of, you know, puts me back in that fashion, you know. And then in the morning when I wake up, 
Lord, this is the day you have made. I want to rejoice. I want to be glad in it. God, I thank you for my salvation. I rejoice in the heaven to come. I know of my position in Christ. And I know I've fallen, but it doesn't matter. You've picked me up by your grace. The righteous man falls seven times, gets up seven times. There's no condemnation to those who are Christ. Where my sin abounds, your grace abounds more. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But today, Christ, you are going to be my passion, not the passion of my flesh. You are going to be my desire, not the desire of this world, the desire of the prince of the power of the air and the way he wants me to think and to go. I don't want to be a part of that. But today I want to experience you. And there the wheel starts turning. And there the fingers of God come into my life and begin to fashion that day. That day, he is fashioning into me. There's good works that he's predestined beforehand that today I would walk in them. Now here is an important point. Because we can start getting prideful in saying, well, I'm not living the way I should right now or this week or this month or this year, but I could rip out a page of 50 people in the past I've led to the Lord. I could quote scriptures to you that people who have been 20 years in the Lord, and I've only been 10 years in the Lord, I can quote more scriptures than them. You see, we start looking back at the various works of art God has done in our life, and we want to start making trophies out of them. That's what we don't want to do. In the Christian walk, every day we say, we're going to leave those things that are behind and press forward to the things that are ahead. And if you think about it, it makes sense if it's a relationship. You know, I can't go to my wife and say, you know, I just read an article, honey. I don't know how they figured it out, but the average couple in a 50-year marriage have told their spouse they love them 25,000 times. Now, I know we've only been married 50 years, but I figured it out that I have told you at least that many times I've loved you. So, I won't be telling you in the future because I've got my average in. (laughs) That would be ridiculous. Or if you were to go to your mortgage company or your landlord and say, you know, I've been paying this for 10 years and I think 10 years is enough. I know I've been paying 10 years. That means there's $15 off my principal. But I personally feel that I've done my share. For now, I'm just going to live in this house and I'm not going to do any more. In the same way, we as Christians, if we start looking back and then we start looking at each other and Paul says to compare yourselves amongst yourself is not wise. We're all going to give ourselves an excuse to take a rest, to sit down. And the Bible says, don't weary in well-doing. So, I've had victory over this body for the last 10 years. So what? (laughs) It doesn't matter. Tomorrow, if you don't have dominion over your flesh, you'll become an alcoholic. Never drank in my life. It doesn't matter. You can become an alcoholic. You can become a dread act. You can destroy your marriage. You can start living a life after the flesh. Now, this is a scary thing. Because you say, Brian, I mean, you've been a Christian 10 years. Doesn't that have any kind of dividends 
for strength tomorrow? And the answer is no. I'm afraid it doesn't. No more than saying because, well, I've ate three meals a day for the last 30 years, so, you know, I think at least that should carry me for at least a year without eating. Or I've overate for the last 20 years, <laughs> so I've ate enough for 40 years, so it's not going to happen. And if you miss a meal, you're going to get hungry. Miss a few days, you're going to start getting weak. It's not going to work. In the same way, the spiritual walk, we have to understand, is something that can get tiring. It's something that can cause you to grow weary. Why? Because we're in a dead body that's living in a dead world with a Satan who is after us to live a dead life. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. We're swimming upstream. We're walking against the wind. We're climbing uphill. We have a weight that we have to go. And I wish I could say to you, hang in there. Once you've put your 30 years in, you can retire. <laughs> it doesn't work. You've got to walk today. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead today, if you will yield, if you will bend the knee, if you will be in the word, if you'll cry out to him, if you'll say, Lord, help me overcome this area of my flesh, and you cry out to him, today God will give you his success. That's as far as it goes. Tomorrow, you got to pick up that splintery cross again. You've got to get on those knees again. You've got to open the word again. You've got to ask God to help you see things as they really are. And if you don't feel poor in spirit, ask God to help you see that you truly are poor in spirit. And ask God again to strengthen you for today. Take on today with its problems and make it through today. And tomorrow will be a new set of problems. Tomorrow will be a new day. It's sobering, isn't it? It's a battle. We're on the front lines. And you'd like the world war to end. But it's not going to end until Jesus comes again. And so I tell you very soberly, we have to keep walking. Turn over, if you would, to Peter once again. In 1 Peter chapter 1, First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Okay? Don't let your mind lose its focus. Don't let your mind begin to play when it needs to be serious to go to work. Be sober. In other words, an attitude, in heart, in mind. And rest your hope, what? Fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hang on, get your focus on the coming of Christ and not at any other goal. As obedient children, do not, do not, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance. 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. If you call on the Father without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your sojourning here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of faith of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so it's a very sobering few verses, isn't it? In verse uh, 19 there. Wake up, don't get conformed, be sober, hang on until the coming of Christ. Live in such a way knowing that without partiality, God is judging you uh, each and every day. And um, knowing again that you're it's a tough walk to walk, but Christ did a tougher walk yet. God's asking you to live a life for him, but he laid his life down for you. And so, again, that's to be the motivation. And turn over to Second Peter chapter 1, if you would. Knowing all that God's done for us, verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. What do you do day by day by day? Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to per per perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these are yours, underline that word, yours, and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Listen to verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, there's just that concept that we're plugging away, adding to our faith the various um, issues of virtue and knowledge and then that perseverance. And then finally God's worked into us where we're sanctified in that perfect agape love. We're sanctified walking in those good works. We're experiencing the power of God. We're experiencing the holiness of God. We're experiencing the righteousness of God. And it's something we're doing on a consistent basis. Turn back and let's make one final point here tonight in Romans chapter 8. In verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Your body's wants, desires, needs, longs, cries, it pouts, all, whatever it does, say to your flesh, no. Why? In verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now he's talking to Christians. People who are going to be in heaven with the Lord. But here on earth, he's telling you, you will have a dead experience even though you're born again experientially, as we read there, those church in Revelation, to those seven churches, and, and how each of them were doing good things in some areas, but yet they didn't have a love. They lost their first love. They lost their purity. 
they lost uh, their heat on fireness for the Lord and they become lukewarm. These various experiences happen and he says, repent, lest I take that candlestick away. And so experientially as Christians, we have to realize that day by day by day, just like you cultivate every aspect of your life. If I walk out today and I have a flat tire in my car, I can't say, well, you know, I've checked the air in my tires every single day and, and you know, I, I am a very good to my tires and, and uh, you know, it's just going to have to get over and I'm just going to drive to work with a flat tire. I can't do that. It doesn't matter that I put air in my tires and had the exact amount of poundage I needed in my tires and that I've changed my tires out when they were worn and I've always you know, been a faithful person concerning my tires. The fact is, I hit it now. There's a, it's flat. I've got to deal with it. In the same way, experientially with Christ, today I've got to deal with it. I can't say, well, I've gone to work every single day. They've asked me for the last 10 years, so just because I haven't told them I'm not coming to work for the last two weeks, they're going to have to get over it. They're not going to get over it. I've been working in this company 10 years. I've always been on time. I've always worked a full day's work. I don't have to tell you I'm not going to come in for a couple weeks if I don't want to come in for a couple weeks. You're going to get fired. It's not going to work. You've got to cultivate your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. It's just just like the grass keeps on growing. You've got to keep mowing it, you know. Well, after 20 years, you don't have to mow anymore. You know, it's just the way, it doesn't work that way. You've mowed it for 20 years, you've got to mow it for the 21st year too. In the same way, we've got to understand, experientially, with our relationship with Christ, we're in a fallen world, we're in a fallen body. That if I begin to listen to my flesh, to begin to follow my flesh, experientially my relationship with God is going to die. He is there. His Spirit will be convicting me. His Spirit will be grieved. He will be giving me strength through sermons like this one here tonight. He'll be uh, speaking to me from various angles, trying to encourage my weak hands that are laid down. Brothers and sisters will begin encouraging me. But I just have to realize very simply, I have to take on today. And today makes a difference. It's a domino that's going to bump into tomorrow. If I listen to my flesh today, tomorrow will be that much easier to listen to my flesh. The next day it will be that much easier to listen to my flesh until within a few days I can listen to my flesh and it seems like that's the way to live. In the same way, when I'm ready now to put the brakes on listening to my flesh, it's going to feel wrong. It's going to feel like that's not the right thing. I'm saying no to my flesh, but it seems like I'm in sin for saying no to my flesh. And that's the way it is. It just seems like a fish out of water. It's not right. And so we start listening to our flesh a little bit. And, oh, it's like tiptoeing into a jacuzzi or something. Oh, man, this feels right, you know. But yet the Bible's so clear. It says no. Until you find people in this world that are so tweaked. I, I've had people who come to me and, and they're living in a fornicative relationship. They're not married and they're living with somebody. And they say, oh, man, God's blessed so much with each other. 
you know, and we met, and, we, you know, we fell in love, and, and, you know, we weren't going to live together, but a friend of ours offered that if we wanted to move in together, he, he'd give us an apartment for a really good price, and man, you know, and they'll give you all the supernatural things too. Oh man, I was walking along and I saw a juicy fruit wrapper, you know. And her name starts with a J and, and her brother's middle name is Ulysses. And, and, and so what happens there is that if you take the second letter out of his first name and you, you know, it was just God, I'm telling you, it was just God. And it's like... The Bible says right here, if you can live in a fornication, you've never seen God nor known God. You're telling me there's no conviction about this. And I say to you, you're not born again, nor have you been in the past. You've been playing a Christian game. Or you've been convicted about this every single day. Your life is falling apart because God's hand of conviction is upon you. And you're saying, I love this person more than I love God and I love my flesh, and, and going along with the program, then stopping the program and saying, I'm going to get on the bandwagon and start following God the way I need to. And that's a tough choice. But if you're living according to the flesh, you're living in a dying relationship. It says that in First Timothy. It says that, talking about the widows indeed, it says if she's lived according to her pleasures, she's dead while she lives. And I say that to you. If you're living according to life, according to your pleasures, you're dead while you live. But, in verse 13, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, what? You will live. Experientially. How? By the Spirit of God. By God's power. We can't do it. We see this weakness in our life. Nothing in the world is going to help us. All the self-help groups is not going to help us. The 12 steps to overcome this is not going to help it. The 25 books out there on it is not going to, nothing is going to help you but crying out to the living God and continue crying out to him until he, by the divine working of his spirit, gives you the knowledge through his word or gives you the power in your character and a transformation of a changed life. In our culture today, we want a tool for whatever the problem is. That's it. My car's broke, and XYZ wires, rip them out, give me some new XYZ wires, plug them in. That's it. It's all very scientific. It's all very mathematical. This is how it works. And you try to go that way with relationships, and you find out it doesn't work because people really don't fit into any mold that anybody's made. We're all uniquely different. In the same way, why you're struggling with what you're struggling with, who knows? You're struggling. And it's God's allowed this struggle to come about in your life to bring you to your knees, to deepen you in your relationship with Him. By the Spirit of God, you'll begin experiencing a life with God. And in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Very simply, isn't it? What are you following today? What is the direction, the leading of your life? Is it what God says, what His Word says, or is it what you think? Is it what you read in the newspaper? What, what's leading your life? That is what the master of your life is. It's very simple. 
Jesus said, why do you say, Lord, Lord? And don't do what I say. Very simply, I'm not your Lord. Why? Because you don't do what I say. That's why many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, open unto me. And he'll say, I don't know you. Oh yeah, you've got to know me. I never knew you, Jesus says. You did what you wanted to do. You didn't do what I wanted to do. You always did what you wanted to do. You're your own Lord. You're your own master. You're your own God. You didn't do what I said. You did what you wanted to do. Be gone, you doers of iniquity. You never did my will. It's just really simple. What are you led by? If you are led by your flesh, then you're not being led by the Spirit. If you're being led by the Spirit, then you are a son of God. Why? Because you're following your dad. You're hearing him. And this is why it says in verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but, a spirit, but you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. I may be really close to some little kids here in the church. They've been to my house. They've sat on my knee. I've read numbers of books to them. But yet, if they're at my house and they fall down and skin their knee and they're in this trauma and they come crying in the house, Daddy, Daddy, they're not going to be coming to me. They're wanting their dad. They're wanting their mom. They're wanting to sit on the knee of their parent. In the same way, if you are a child of God, God's Spirit lives in you and that's what you're crying out. Now, here's the, here's the situation. Many people put on their McDonald's shirts and they wear their McDonald's uniform, but they don't work at McDonald's. And off they go down to work at Jack in the Box. And there they are at Jack in the Box in their McDonald's uniform. And there they are at the family reunion going, so I hear you work at Jack in the Box. Oh, no, no, no. I work at McDonald's. Look at my uniform. This is a McDonald's uniform, isn't it? Yeah, but I hear you work at Jack in the Box. Well, no, I work for McDonald's. Okay, let's get this clear. When you leave your house at four in the afternoon after school, and you get in your car, and you drive to where? I drive to work. Okay, more specifically, don't you drive to the jack-in-the-box? Well, yeah. And don't you go in and make jack-in-the-box hamburgers and tacos and those teriyaki rice bowls? <laughs> yeah. You work for jack-in-the-box. No, 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 no. I work for McDonald's, man. Okay. You have a checking account, don't you? Yeah, I do. Now, you have a checking account because you get money for work. Is that right? That's right. They pay me for what I do. Who wrote the check to you? Well, Jack in the Box wrote the check to me. See? Now, there you go. You work for Jack. No, 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 no. I work for McDonald's. And there's people who come to church, tote a Bible around. They've got the exterior, but who are you working for? Where do you spend your time? 
Who is giving you your strength, your energy, your motive, your reason for living, the joy, the ecstasy, all the things that cause a human existence to tick and to move forward? Is it God? Is there a deep cry in your heart? Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And do you run to the living God? Or do you go, oh, Abba, beer, oh, happy hour. Or do you say, uh, uh, Abba Affair, run back to my old girlfriend. Uh, Abba Playboy books. Uh, Abba TV set. Abba baseball games. Where do you run? Where do you go? When there is that longing in your heart, is it Abba Papa? Daddy, Daddy. Dive into the Word of God. Dive into prayer. Call up a fellow Christian and say, man, come and pray with me, man, and encourage me. There you go. If the Spirit of God lives in you, that is what you're doing. Now, some of you here tonight, very practically, may say, man, I'm just really dry. Usually when people ask me, and I say, well, how's it been going in your walk? You've been in the Word? Well, no, not, not a lot. You've been spending time in prayer? Haven't seen you at the prayer meetings lately. Well, you know, not, not a whole lot. Gee, you know, this is really getting tough to figure out why you're dry. <laughs> you're, you're dead. What do you mean I'm dead? You're living after the flesh. You're, you're getting together with your flesh, saying, flesh, we're tired, we're feeling this certain way, we're feeling dry. We're feeling a little bit depressed. What do you think, flesh? Should we pray? No, 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 no. Okay, flesh, let's get together. We've been really busy lately. We've been fighting a cold. You know, we're really depressed about not being able to pay the bills. And, you know, this is going on at work. What do you think? Go to the movies or go read the Bible. Uh, now, I hear that movie spiritual. And I heard somebody really got motivated. <laughs> Let's go to the movie first, and then afterwards we'll go get in the Word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden you're doing this for several weeks, and then all of a sudden you wonder why. You're, experientially, you're dead. Positionally, you're going to heaven. Justified, you're right with God for all of eternity. The work of sanctification has been grinding to a stop. And maybe the justification, sanctification process is very slow. Experientially, you're experiencing a separation from God, even though he lives in you, even though you're born again. Experientially, you're dead if you listen to the flesh. You are not debtors to listen to the flesh. The flesh owes you nothing. And you owe the flesh nothing. Jesus made it clear. If you want to make it in this world, stop the multitudes. Hold it, hold it, hold it. There's too many of you following me. I don't believe you're really following me. Physically, outwardly, yes. You're, I see your footprint in the sand as you're walking, as you're following me around the Sea of Galilee. But are you really a follower? Here's how you find out. Deny yourself daily, take up a cross, and follow me. Man, that's, that's heavy. He wants me to strap on the electric chair. He wants me to put on the hangman's noose and to tell this flesh, ah! you're dead. I'm walking after the Spirit. 
to put this old flesh and just zap it with the electric chair and get back and listen to the things of the Spirit. He stopped him again and said, hold it, hold it. Unless you're seeking after the things of eternal life. Quit seeking for the food that will perish. But seek after the food that's under eternal life. What do you mean what food? I don't understand. What is that food? Work the works of God. What, what are the works you want me to work? Believe in him. Well, believe on him. Who? The bread of life. You eat of this bread, you'll never hunger. You drink of his blood, you'll never thirst again. And I say to you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no way you can ever have life in you. For I feed on the Father, and I have life. And now whoever feeds on me, he will have life because of me. Ugh, this is gross. I'm out of here. They all left him. In the same way, I come back to you and say, hold it. Unless you're willing to lose your life in this life, you're never going to gain it in the life to come. And in America, we have an American Christian mentality that says, I can take my worldliness, I can take my carnalness, I don't have to be sober-minded, I don't have to fix my hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ, I can conform myself to this world in this and this and this and this and way, just not that, that and that way, and I can still make it. And I tell you, the Word of God says what the Word of God says. If you are conformed to the world, you're dead while you live. If you're living a life after the Spirit, governed by the Spirit, desiring the things of the Spirit, you will experientially, not just in position, but daily experience, experience the things of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word here tonight. And we ask, Lord, as you said, if we walk according to the Spirit, if we live a life according to the Spirit, we will live. And life it is. Man, every day with you, Jesus, is sweeter than the day before. Prayer, deeper, the word more meaningful, to share my faith, to desire the things of you more and more every single day. Lord, I know that this is but a mere concept falling upon some that are deaf ears here tonight who can't understand the things of the Spirit because they're still natural-minded. Some wanting to claim to be Christians, some out and out knowing they're not right with you. Lord, touch them tonight. Let them cry out now and say, God, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And Lord, that every one of us would just stop and be in awe here tonight that our born-again Christians, the same spirit that, that was there in that tomb that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in me. That same spirit that was there present at creation, the same spirit that was there that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit who wants to create a new life in me. Lord, thank you for living in us. The Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the Almighty God, the third person of the Trinity, alive to bring life to this mortal flesh if we will put to death, crucify our bodies with its passions and desires. Then you will come and bring life experientially every single day, taking this molten clay that we are, and today, 
helping us walk in those works that you've preordained before the foundations of the world that we had walked in them. Lord, let it happen. Let it happen, not for the next hundred tomorrows, just tomorrow. That's enough. Tomorrow, Lord, let us experience all that you have for us. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.